and uh, it's bloody, and uh, it's not like skin hanging on the floor, but it is, it is vivid and gory. And so, how should we now live? Nah, just kidding. You have to hear their messages to really appreciate the foolishness that I just went through. But, but nah, um, seriously. One of the things that we hope, and I don't know, like I'm new to the pulpit. Like I used to just preach evangelistically, but now preaching week after week, expositionally, so that somebody grows from spiritual infancy to spiritual uh, maturity is new. Um, we've been doing it since we've been starting um, a church plant, which is, of course, is a little over two years, uh, almost three now if you put everything together. Um, and uh, so one of the things that I like to do is let you know, like give you some insight into me and what I go through when I'm thinking about presenting uh, a message. Like I'm just assuming there's a whole bunch of people that know less than they think they know. Like I'm just assuming that like some people think I know that already, but they really don't. Um, I assume that some people don't appreciate the ends as well as the means. Like some people just like to get to the point and they like the point, but they don't like the way a person gets there. Um, you know, like if a movie just went straight to the end, like if you just turn on the TV and it was, ah, you got me, dang. And the, and the hero was like, woo, you'd be like, ah, you like to see the journey. You like to see like the twists and the turns and the plot development, right? Um, well, in the Bible, like there are different people, you like different writers for different reasons. And one of the things that you like Paul for is his ability to either debate or to lay out an argument, then take you the scenic route while he defends it. Now, if you're not into that, because people used to tell me that, like, just get on with it. Say what you mean. I'm like, because I'm into, like, uh, oratory, like, I like to take the colorful route. No, no, now bear with me. Bear with me. It's like a flower, right? Right? And I'm all over the flower, and they're just like, get to your point. I'm like, don't rush me. Like, I like to work this thing so that you appreciate what I'm going to end with. Um... Like, that's how Paul is. And so today, even though we're really just going to repeat some of the things that you heard from uh, Shai, and we're going to really reiterate some things you heard from Pastor E, today we get to peep some of the, uh, the roots that Paul took in order to say what he said, or having said what he said. Are you all with me? Okay. So, uh, what I want to talk about today is the gift or the curse. The gift... Or the curse. First of all, if you don't know anything about epistles, epistles were written to believers who needed to either beef up in their faith. They needed to be strengthened in their faith. For some of them, they needed to learn their faith because this is the beginning of the Christian church. And so they like some of them knew the uh, the Hebrew scriptures, a.k.a. the Old Testament. But they didn't understand the fullness of what God was doing in Jesus Christ. So epistles are written to help help people understand that all that Old Testament stuff, all the Hebrew scriptures were saying something in particular. And now the fullness of what that's saying has now been revealed and we've been commissioned and empowered. Powered by Jesus Christ to help you connect the dots. 
Now, if you didn't know the Old Testament, then they'd just be like, well, just take our word from it. From Jesus Christ forward, but we are going to spend our lives together in Christian community looking at what God has done, looking at what God has said, and looking at what he has finally said in Jesus Christ. So that's, that's just the rules. So we're in an epistle. An epistle usually or oftentimes had a problem that the author, that made the author pick up his pen for. He wasn't just writing because, yo, man, I just want to see how you're doing. Uh, in the case of like a Galatians, uh, he was writing because they, he had a gripe. He had an issue and he wanted to deal with it. Now, he happens to have his primary issue that he planted these churches. He was responsible for seeing these people grab hold of the gospel. So he had a vested interest in seeing them max out, go on to maturity. So when he heard that they were beginning to waver in their understanding of the gospel, he sort of got upset. And so he began to write the letter to uh, the Galatians. Also, uh, we all today, were you there? Like we and I, we're like Galatians. We're prone to drift from the gospel, either the substance of the gospel. So like uh, Shai was saying earlier, there are people who've gone many, 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 many years, years in church and they don't know the substance of the gospel. If you were to sit down and get beyond, didn't he die for you? They wouldn't know how to go on any further. Uh, we were playing, uh, what was it the other day, uh, where you write down, ah, what was it? Uh, not just, just pick categories, right? One of the problems with categories was if you're last, like everybody's already said what you were thinking already, unless you're that good. And so we're sitting here like, man, I can't go on with this much longer. I can't wait till I'm first. Bob, you know, something like that. Bob, if you're first, Bob will work. The name would be, but like if it's going, like by the time you get down to the end, it's like, dang, I can't use that anymore. Well, that's how some people are like, he died for me. Tell me something else. Glad I was first. I can't tell you nothing else about the gospel. (laughs) And so uh, one of the things that we do is we drift from the substance of the gospel. Just like in first Corinthians, when Paul starts saying, yo, this is the gospel. I'm saying Christ crucified for sinners. Like, uh, yo, this is the substance of the gospel. The gospel is that God calls people who are not noble, who are not wise. I mean, he had the that's a that's a classic case where uh, Paul goes and, and brings a letter that's going to deal with the substance of the gospel. Lest we drift from it. Sometimes we drift from the simplicity of the gospel, like in Colossians, where people start wowing you with new theories and wowing you with. Yo, but did you hear about and what about the lost books of and before you know it, they've got the gospel so complicated that you're like, oh, man. I don't know. That's why I don't like church, man. They don't be dropping nothing. Like, and you'll drift from the simplicity of the gospel. So Paul wrote to the Colossians about the simplicity of devotion to Christ, lest you overcomplicate the gospel. And then in this case with Galatians, it's the sufficiency of the gospel. Is it enough? Like, does anybody come and try to add stuff to the gospel? And so that's what we're looking at today. So keep that in mind as we're talking about uh, the gospel. Um, as through the lens of Paul to the Galatians. Our series is called Life in Light of the Gospel. And uh, today, once again, we're in chapter 3. Pastor E tried to trick me. Um, He was supposed to go to 9, but he got excited and stopped at 5, and then wasn't really here to say, I'll pick up next week. (laughs) So um, I want to sort of go back, look at 6 through 14, Um, even though our focus will be on 7 to 14. 
uh, let's just read it. Let's get rocked off of just uh, what the scripture says. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Let's back up the five. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as or even as or, for example, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse seven. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Ten, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanging on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessings, but excuse me, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Complicated. I felt good because it took me all week. I was wrestling with it till this morning. But then everybody said this is one of the hardest sections in the Pauline corpus. And so I felt good that it wasn't just me struggling with what Paul was saying. Um, so if you all barely understood that, um, don't feel bad. Um, but let's let's try to see what we can do justice to unpacking it. Uh, first of all, Paul has two people he's writing in light of what he calls agitators, the troublemakers, the people that are showing up on the scene and messing with the gospel. Then Paul has another beef and he has somebody else he's writing to the people who seem to be get going for it, falling for it. So when Paul writes, he's writing in light of the agitators, the, the, the people who are causing the trouble. He's writing to the Galatians, the people who are falling for it, who are being duped by the agitators. So as we as we dive into this, you're going to be able to appreciate it. Paul in our section is going to get scriptural on you. In 2.16, he's already said, this is one of the one, the things that Shai sort of uh, like killed and, and unpacked graphically. This issue of what we call justification by faith. If you weren't here, I, I have to resist the temptation to re-preach so that you can appreciate what we're talking about. Uh, but it's online. Uh, justification, legal term, God as judge saying you're righteous, you're not guilty. God declaring you and dropping the, the, the mallet or the gavel, gang, you're, you're not guilty. Justification comes by faith rather than by you looking at your printout of how, like, all your law keeping. And you saying, ah, well, well, word, yo, um, Lord, my good outweighs my bad. Like, like justification comes by, Lord, I trusted in Jesus Christ. Like that's like people say that's too easy. 
And so Paul has already said that in 2.16. So now he's, go- he's going to start showing you a scriptural rationale for why he says that and why the Galatians ought to believe him get back to holding their ground on what the gospel is. Okay, so uh, he's going to go. He's going to get scriptural. So we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures in this. Now, you have to appreciate the ability for the scriptures to solve a matter. We don't live in a day where the scriptures solve a matter. We live in a day where like, yeah, but I don't know, because somebody told me like, but I just told you that the Bible says, yeah, but I'm saying, though, like, what are you saying, though? Like, like, like we're in an age where people do not buckle at the scriptures. One of the things that uh, blessed me about my wife, like when I was like before she was my wife and I was trying to figure out like, hey, like, is this the one for me? Like she had passed all these other tests. And so one day I just started playing but I was like, yo, you know that you're going to have to, you know, do the, I was saying all this stuff just to test her. She said, well, I mean, just show it to me in the Bible. And I was like, I was like, word, like. Like, if I could show you something in the Bible, like, that's law for our home, that's law for our marriage. And she was like, yeah, if it's in the Bible. Like, and I was like, uh, and that was like, like, that was banging for me in an age where, but the Bible says, yeah, but I'm just saying, I was raised, like, and, and so, like, in that age, you want to be able to appeal to the scriptures. Well, both Paul's opponents, the Judaizers, and the Galatians at least will give them this. The scriptures had weight in their lives. Now, the scriptures rightly interpreted. Uh, you know, Paul had to work with them to help them to see you don't understand the scriptures, because if you can't see the scriptures through the lens of Jesus Christ, you're going to come to the wrong conclusion. However, at least he could say, now, let's look at the scriptures. OK, so he's going to start getting scriptural on you. And he believes in and they even uh, believe in scriptural authority and integrity. He's going to plunge us into what we call redemptive history, redemptive history. Like, and again, uh, fortunately, we have a lot of Bible college students and a lot of uh, people who probably know these terms. But if you don't, stick, like, hang around so you could talk like this, too. You can just walk up and be like, what's up, Ock? Redemptive history. You know what I mean? They'll be like, Where? oh, he's son deep, son deep. You know what I'm saying? I used to, I used to sort of like, like how deep you could sound with because the, all the cults, any cult. Any cult religion sounds deep. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just the Christians that sound like he made a way out of no way, which is great, but it's sort of simple, right? Um, but when they be like, yo, triple stage of darkness, son. Yeah, now the three, 360 degrees I evolved. You be like, oh, no. I don't know about that gospel stuff. Three, triple stage of darkness? You, I mean, you'd be blown away, but... Um, redemptive history. That's, that's ours, redemptive history. Um, and what that means is that all of life is a story. Uh, Cross Movement, uh, the rap group that I was a part of for many, 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 many years, uh, we did our, our final album, and it's called History, right? And one of the things that we grapple with with this album is how do we, at the end of it all, sort of recap or summarize what we had done over 10 years uh, of, of recording? And so one of the things that we said is let's talk about history, but like, let, like we wrestle with, but do we want to tell them our history or his history. So what we ended up doing was subordinating our history under the umbrella of his story, which is his story, which is a story about how God rectifies a broken situation. 
If God's world, since when you read the Bible, it gets straight to it. Two chapters of stuff being okay, and it's downhill from there. That would be a shabby story if you're not going to fix it by the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, I'm, like, I'm tiptoeing through the garden, like, woo! I mean, I'm just, I'm there. Were you there? I'm there. I'm sitting there chilling with my Eve, you know what I mean? And we just diddy-bopping through the garden, you know, checking out fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I like, I like animals, so I'm riding on lions, and I'm, I'm in the ocean, you know, I'm not drowning, or whatever Adam was doing at that time. And I'm excited, right? But two chapters of that... Third chapter come, a snake come up, and he talking to my Eve. Next thing you know, she got me eating fruit. No offense, Eve. Uh, <laughs> and then the story is downhill. The next chapter, my son is killing my other son, and I'm ready to kill him for killing him. And before you know it, the world is a mess. Um, but redemptive history says that from the beginning, God had a plan uh, to rectify that and make the culmination of what he does better than those first two chapters. Amen? Okay. So this is the bangingness of if you're on board with this God, right? Well, Paul is going to talk in light of redemptive history. So the only reason why I'm giving you all that is because to appreciate, because it gets, once you start getting into all these scriptures, you have to be able to appreciate um, the idea that he's going to even make a beeline to a significant character in redemptive history. Um, and so, uh, let's dive in. First of all, justification by faith is the issue of, once again, Shah said it, how is a person going to be right with God if God is holy and can detect sin in the inward parts a mile away? Like, how are you and God going to kick it if you're a sinner, if God's holiness is what it is? And so justification the Bible says is God has decided that God would produce faith and then honor that faith. Right. The Bible says now. So justification being made right, being legally declared righteous comes by faith. This is fundamental. So in chapter three, one to five, which Pastor Mace already preached. It's so grassroots that if a person thinks differently, he says, this is foolishness. Like, this is so fundamental that it's foolish. If you don't believe this, if you get away from justification being something you can't work, then, like, I can call you a fool. It's it's like today we would say, are you on drugs? For them, it's because this, this wasn't an insult. Just like if somebody tells you on drugs, they're not really dissing you. They're showing you how foolish you look. Here, then he's, this is not fool. Like, you fool. Like, he's trying to belittle you. This was a common way to basically just say, are you tripping? And so he says it's so fundamental that it's, it's so grassroots. It's so at the basic that this is not deep. You don't go, like, you didn't need to go to seminary to adopt this point if you're a believer because it's so basic. It's basic. And he goes on. He says, wait a minute. Come on, man. Think about it. Christ on the cross. Hello. Ring a bell. Snap out of it. Christ on the cross. Why would he die if you could just do something to get like he could have said, I'm not going to die. I'm just going to live and give you an example and you follow it. But he didn't. He goes on. He says, this is so fundamental. He says, wait a minute. Um, uh, In verse in verse um, 
Verse 5, he says, does he who supplies the spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Goes back to Cornelius. Up until that time, a lot of times the disciples would put their hands on somebody and they'd receive the spirit. But that was because God was trying to let people know that what God really authentically has comes through something or through a line of something, a line of truth. By the time you get to Cornelius, if you don't know your your Bible, once again, just go to Acts chapter 10 and read that story, right? In Acts chapter 10, a household was listening to the gospel, and as they heard it, the Bible says, it says they were here, oh, excuse me, it says, and while Peter was still doing his gospel presentation, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And that's what he's saying here in Galatians 3, 5. He's saying, hey, did you get the spirit because you was doing something? Or just when you heard it, all of a sudden it made sense. All of a sudden your heart like liked it. You, 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 know, you rubbed your eyes. You got up. You told your friends, hush, I, I'm interested now. And all of a sudden you believed. And the spirit came and then you started being like, you went home and you told your boyfriend, we can't do this anymore. And you told your girlfriend, like, chill, girl, till we marry. Like, that kind of stuff. He said, did that happen because you was dancing and you was doing all kinds of stuff? He said, nah. He said, this is a fundamental truth. Not only is it fundamental, but he says here that it's foundational. Now, they're kind of the same. One is it's basic. Foundational means it's at the bottom. It it goes back to the beginning. So let's look at it. By the time he gets to six, he says, take Abraham as a foundational character in redemptive history. Take him. The Bible says he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Faith is not the same as a work. Well, I got to believe, though. Because you can't control your belief. That's why the Bible says, hey, it's by faith, not by works. But I got to I got to believe, though. Believing is not a work. See, when we don't want to like when we don't when we're afraid of the truth, what do we do? I don't want to even hear it. That's because you can't hear what you know is true and not believe it. That's why I don't even tell me. I don't even want to hear it. Because you know I'm going to hear it, I'm going to believe it, and I don't want to believe it, so I'd rather not hear it. Because I can't make myself not believe it. You've got the photos. I mean, you just break down, like, don't even show me the photos. Don't give me the phone records. Don't, like, I, I, don't show me your logical argument. Don't take me to the passage. Don't tell me what it means in the Greek, because I might believe you. And I don't want to believe you, so let's not even go there. That's why, you know, faith is not a work because you can't do it. All God has to do is convince you. Faith will will arise. Dang. Like, how am I going to say I don't believe what for some strange reason I now believe? And so he says, Abraham caught himself believing God and God said righteousness. Financial aid, right? You have to fill out an application for financial aid. You don't be like, no, man, all you got to do is fill out an application and they'll give you financial aid because you don't. A millionaire ain't going into it. I just filled out the application. Can I have the um, $25 that you gave? The 
No, it's like you have to actually, like, they have to decide, we're going to give you money. Just fill out the application. That's the way you'll get the money. Same thing. God says, I'm going to honor faith. But I'm not going to just honor any faith. I'll honor the faith that I produce. And you'll have to go through the channel that I say go through in order to access it. But I got that too. Just as Abraham just believed. So Paul is looking at the agitators saying, Abraham, ring a bell, Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were Jewish to the bone. They loved their Hebrew culture. So they're like, Abraham is our father. The Pharisees did this, too, as they were dissing Jesus Christ. They were like, Abraham, Abraham's our father. And Jesus says, see, you don't even understand your father, Abraham. And he's not your father because if he was your father, you feel me. So Paul saying, Judaizers, we can at least agree on Abraham. Why does the scripture say that Abraham just believed God instead of because the Jews believed that Abraham's faithfulness was what got him righteousness. But the Bible says that he just believed, which you can't control your own belief. Then God credited him righteous. Then we start seeing what that righteousness started looking like after he's that I got this newfound. Whoa, I don't know what this is, but I even put my son on the altar. I can't even believe this. Like, I want this son. Why am I ready to kill him? Out of belief that God will raise him up. He says this is Mark 9, Mark 9. I forgot where exactly, but the Lord Jesus uh, is saying, oh, unbelieving generation. Y'all don't believe anything. Man, bring your demon-filled boy here. So the demon-filled boy comes, and he looks at the father, and he says, yo, man, you believe that he could be saved? He was like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I guess he was a little iffy. He said, no, no the, the, the father said, yo, man, if, if you can, you can heal him. He said, if I can. He said, he says, all things are possible to him who believes. He said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. He said, I mean, I'm shaky with the belief, but hey, help me. Help a brother out. I, you know, how, you know how I get. <laughs> if you have enough sense to tell God, help me with my unbelief. You're well on your way. Goes back. Sins are a debt or a debit. Righteousness gets credited. That word, it was counted to him, as I'm sure when uh, yeah, I did hear Shah talk about um, imputation or the your account showing up something. Have you ever like looked at your statements online? First of all, you hate the fact that your credits are far uh, fall short of your debits. So I'm looking at click click wow wow and I'm saying Chick Fil A and Burger King and and so you're just looking at this one side and just full of money leaving debts. And then on this side, who knows how long you have to scroll before you see. The payroll that went in through, you know, the you're like, a credit, finally. Like, you're looking for credit because there's mad debits. The Bible says your sins are debits on one side of the ledger. And it's, you know, the little arrow to let you know there's more pages of, and on this side is credits. Now, the only fortunate thing is nobody can put the credit of righteousness on this side of the ledger. God has to do it. So look, y'all. What time is it? My clock's gone. 
I know, but what time did I start? I gotta, I'm go, I'm, I'm gonna be quick, cause I'm gonna be quick for y'all, but, but I just want y'all to appreciate chap, verse six says, Abraham, a sin-debited man, one day looked on his account and God had placed righteousness there. The bigger thing about the, what God places in your account, stick around if, you know, in Christian community, and you'll appreciate where we get all this stuff from. When the righteousness goes in this side, all the debits on this side disappear. Don't ask me how God does that. Now, let's get into verse 7. Verse 7, we transition to the one who trusts. Because God wants you to know this. Different kinds of camps that you can belong to. And the Galatians were siding with the wrong camp. The Galatians were siding with the wrong camp. He says, let's look at the camp who trusts. The ones who are of faith. Look, he says here, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would declare right, the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. In Romans chapter 4, uh, Paul argues similarly that Abraham had to go through the same process, or we have to go through the same process as Abraham. But here in Galatians, he focuses on the offspring of Abraham. And he says here, because the Judaizers wanted to make you have to be like them, which was Jewish, in your culture and in your customs. Well, Paul says, let's go back to Abraham, classic figure, foundational in redemptive history. He says, listen, anybody that's a part of a camp known as those of faith. He says they are sons of Abraham and the scriptures already was like came to Abraham and, and notice that the scriptures is personified as foreseeing. So the scriptures is put on par. Writings are put on par with God because God is the one who spits scripture. And so God says, ah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to justify the Gentiles by faith. So I'm going to start a paradigm of this through Abraham. Okay, follow me real quick. Back in the days, I was like 26, my friend was like 21, and neither one of us had health insurance. We were ordinal. So we were just sitting there moaning at, man, I ain't seen a doctor since I was a kid. I was like, man, I ain't seen a dentist since I was a kid. You don't understand. I used to eat blow pops so much. I was just, teeth were just falling out when I started. Like when I crossed 21, it was like, I was like, oh, man. I was still going, too. Teeth were just falling out, and I said, I just wish I had banging insurance. He was like, me too. I'm 26, he's 21. So I got married. I got married. Mish worked for Blue Cross Blue Shield, and therefore, I ended up getting the dopest insurance you could get. So I went bragging to this dude like, yo, I'm telling you, I got insurance. You understand? They pay 100% of this. We started looking at the, the, uh, all the benefits, and then I was like, yo, I should adopt you. He was like, word? Like... <laughs> But I was just playing, but that stuck out to me because at that moment, he, he wanted to be my son. No matter how humiliating it was for a 21-year-old to be some dad, I need to get this fixed. 
He was ready to humble himself if that would make him an offspring that would receive the benefits of something that you had to be my offspring to, to get. The Bible says that Gentiles, non-Jews, have a way. They have a way to become the offspring and therefore the beneficiaries of what was promised to Abraham. And he called that a blessing which he ties to justify. So verse 8, it says, the scriptures saw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So he preached the gospel and this was the gospel. In you, all the nations shall be blessed or find blessing in connection with you. That in you, there's all kinds of ways that the in you has connection. First of all, through your seed, Jesus Christ will come. That's how all the nations or all the Gentiles or non-Jews or all the families of the earth or all kinds of people who don't look like y'all, act like y'all, talk like y'all will be able to find the same blessing, acceptance by God. It says in connection to you, plus through the scriptures and through, uh, there's all kinds of ways that in you, Abraham, the one who trusts, the one who believes, has the benefit of getting something, and that is the acceptance. Now, this assumes for us today that acceptance by God means something to you. The people who don't want God. So you talk about, yo, man, you could be an offspring of Abraham. Offspring of Abraham? Like, what's that going to get me? Except it's by God. Except it's by God. I mean, that's cool. I ain't ready for all that. There are a lot of people who aren't ready for that. But, yo, you, you could be saved from your sins. You can be, uh, nah, I mean, I, I understand all that, but I ain't ready to, like, it's all kinds of things that are more important than God saying, I accept you. Other people just think God just accepts, like, that's just a blanket acceptance. Like, God should accept me. He made me. We all a child of the king. Like, no, we're not. Like, that's Christian talk. That'll make, that's why they don't like us. Accept this by God. Stick with us. You go through the Bible. You're going to see. You couldn't just go up to God. And we, we make God lower than we do our president. Because you can't just go up to our president. George, give me that. It assumes that acceptance by God is available to you. So, he starts off with saying justification by faith. I said it in 2 verse 16. which he says, man, this is a foundational truth or fundamental truth. It's basic. Veer from this and I got to say that's foolish. It's fundamental truth. It's at the base of redemptive history. Go back to Abraham. The guy who started the camp you're proud of. The Jews, he just believed in God, counted, credited him with righteousness. He didn't work for his. He says, now look at the one who trusts. The one who trusts is the son or the offspring of Abraham who believed. And you can't just say, okay, all we need is faith. Oh, I got to have faith. Oh, good. I got faith. Everybody has faith. Everybody believes in something. Acts 4.12 says, but see, God has narrowed it. That's why he said, in you all the nations will be blessed. He had another son. Like, like, like We're going to go through this because Abraham actually had a couple sons. One, the promise wasn't through. The other one, the promise was through. Well, same thing. Trace it all the way down and you just see the lineage. 
You got to get through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, man, there's no other name that you must believe in if you're going to be saved than me. He looked at the Pharisees who were stickler for this and he said, unless you believe that I am he. Now, all his life, he kept saying, yo, I'm that narrow door. I'm that in you that God was talking about. All the blessings you want, you got to be in me. And he said, yo, like, you'll die in your sins. But I got faith. Yeah. In the wrong object. We're going to get into that. John 8, 56, 58. So you, you can write those down. Acts 4, 12 is the salvation is in no one else. John 8, 24 is the unless you believe that I am he. That whole context is about him saying, even Abraham was looking my way. Yeah, John 8, 56 to 58. Abraham was looking to me. Like, you're looking at Abraham. Abraham was looking at me. So basically, Paul's point is the one who trusts gets what Abraham got, which is the blessing. The blessing is acceptance by God or justification. So Paul is looking at the Galatians. The foolish Galatians is saying, yo, see, so you're already a son you're already you already get the benefits. You're already all you can be in him. You're already accepted by God. You're already on God's good list. Your account already has the righteousness on it. Your account already has the sins uh, erased. He says, so, man, you're just as justified as Abraham was. I know you think he's a big shot, but you're just as accepted as he was. Now, don't listen to these Judaizers who are making you think you've got to add law keeping to it. Since you don't like get married and some say, yeah, I'm making 20 million dollars a year, bae. Yo, don't even work unless you just want to. No, I I better work. I got to make some ends meet. We got to make ends meet. (laughs) How you need to make ends meet? I make 20 million a year. Well, you know, uh-uh, because I got this new job, it's babysitting, and I'm going to get $200 a week. So now we have $20 million and $200 added each week. So you multiply that by 12, and you start doing calculations, you're like, you can work for the delight of it, but don't be working trying that. Like, help us. We don't need help. And that's what God is like. Like, after that, like, I don't need your works to try to, like, help. Bridge the gap between what Christ did and what God expects. Well, my son died, but you went to church four times, though. Oh, you, ju- Woo, you just made it by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> if you would have went three times, I don't know. So he looks at the one who works, seven to nine. Now he looks at, oh, excuse me, the one who trusts. Now let's look at the one who works, ten to twelve. For all who rely on works of the law, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them, the one who works. Literally right now, he says, those who are of the works of the law. Now, in our translations, we have 
those who rely on works of the law. But that's only because how do you understand this idea of those who are of the works of the law? Well, that's because the whole context is those who've chosen the faith route to be received, accepted by God versus those who are depending on the law route, observing the law as the means. See, there's two groups of people in life. That's just how it is. All religions are cut down by this, this role. Even church members are sliced in terms of those who in their hearts believe that faith alone is too easy it's too, like, I can't believe it. It's too easy to be abused. It's too good to be true. That Those people are the faith camp. They think all you got to do is believe. Then there's another camp that says, I'm telling you, yeah, you can believe, but you got to. Anytime you start saying you got to, there's a camp that says, I believe. Belief is chill, but you also got to. That's the camp that is those who are of the law. So he says there's the faith alone camp and there's the you got a camp, works of the law camp. And he says anybody that chooses that route is under a curse because God has a written decree that cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Deuteronomy 27, 26 God is sitting there and he's telling everybody, y'all, if you don't do all this stuff, you're cursed. Say amen. And they said amen. Like they, they, they agreed to it. If you do this, 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 you'll be blessed. Amen. And if you do this, 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 and you don't do this, you're cursed. They said amen. Like, guess there's no other route. Okay. The only problem with this is nobody does it. And God says, really under a curse. There's, this discussion comes up a lot with the issue of eternal security. Eternal security or save, once save, always save, however you've heard it, usually goes like this. I don't believe in eternal security or once you're saved, you're always saved because I just can't see how somebody could get saved, then live like the devil and still go to heaven. Okay, but here's the only problem. Nobody ever says, let's just question whether or not they were really saved. They never say that. I think that's so easy. Just say they weren't saved. I mean, there's all kinds of scriptures that show you that some people look like it, but really aren't. You would think, but they don't do that. They will swear up you up and down. No, they were saved. I know some people who were saved and they weren't there aren't anymore. But the only thing is the Bible gives you this idea that how do you lose something you never worked to get? And why did God put eternal life in your account when he put righteousness in your account? If he knew three weeks later, you were going to cut the fool and he was going to have to take it back. So what ends up happening is people think, this is the way I see it, we all go on sin after we get saved, but there comes a point when God says enough is enough, which is usually when they would say enough is enough. <laughs> so in other words, you have your own standard by which you judge. God says, I made it real simple. One sin, and it's a wrap. 
before saved, after saved. One sin is worthy of a punishment because Adam and Eve didn't have a lifestyle of sin before God said, oh, enough is enough. I'm, you get ready to be ashamed because you're naked. You get ready to have pain and childbearing. No, no, that's 14,742 sins, Eve. Uh-uh. No. One sin, it's a wrap. After you get saved, what would be different? One sin. Well, if I was going to take it because of sin, this because you was I, I, I the spirit came in yesterday, and two seconds later you you somebody stepped on your shoe and you said, "Well, you gritted your teeth. You was about to bow them," and then you said, "My fault." It, but that, see that my fault. That was it. You lost it. So the spirit left you, came out, waited. You know what I'm saying? Came like we'd be like all our lives. So the of works camp, the camp that says, I don't like that, like God does it all. I want it to be where we have to like not do as bad as we would or could. He says, you're the other camp, the camp that thinks that let me work it out. Let me not lose it rather than let me sit back in. And so that's why this is called the gift or the curse you choose. Do you want a gift where God gives you what you can't earn, what you can't keep? Or do you want the other route, which gives you the curse? Because cursed is anybody that does not continue to do it. The one who uh, who works. Bottom line is Paul is talking to his agitators like so. All this means that you're messing with the Galatians for nothing. They've been saved just because God is gracious. Um, they place faith in Jesus Christ. God gave them his spirit. They even know it. They've been chilling. They've been experiencing it. Uh, and then you came along and told them, yeah, but they didn't. Or, yeah, but they had to. And now you're messing with that. And he says, see, I, they, I, I'm mad at you, but let me talk to them. They're fools for listening to you. He says, but let's get back to you. He says, don't you remember in the book of Habakkuk 2 verse 4? Uh, let's look at that. Um, verse, uh, no, 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 don't, don't turn Habakkuk, I'm sorry, um, because it's, it's written here in Galatians. Look at verse, um, verse 11 of Galatians 3. I'm sorry. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by, again, depending on their ability to keep the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Some discrepancy about really how this should be translated. It could be the righteous by faith, or those who've been made righteous by faith, which is the way God does it, shall live. Or the just shall live by the faithfulness and inferences God's faithfulness. So if you're going to be declared right, you're only that because God's been faithful. Either way, it's not by the person's faithfulness. So it's either by means of faith, which, of course, you can't control, Or it's because of the faith of God that the just or declared right live. So Paul's saying, so once again, here you have a classic case where righteous is in the same sentence as declared right. You say, do you see anything about doing? Do you see anything about keeping? He says, on the contrary, let's look at uh, the next verse where it says, verse 12, but the law is not a faith. The law is not that kind of a system. Rather, the one who does them, the law is about doing it. Uh, so he says, the, law, the one that does them shall live by them. So he says, see, the reason why you can't lean on your ability to 
to do the laws because the law is about doing, not about believing, even though it's possible to, like, to do the law in faith. It's possible to say, yo, man, I'm going to honor God's law out of faith, but not so that God can do something for me. And so real quickly, uh, he ends and goes from the one who trusts to looking at the one who works, says they're under a curse. Then he says, now let's look at the one uh, who saves, because trusting is not doesn't do the saving. You trust in the one who does the saving. And working is can't save you, which is what he's, his whole point is. So now he says, let me tell you how you really get saved. You get saved because there's somebody who's faithful enough to save. And he sums it up like this. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He let ones rejoice by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanging on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, for he comes full circle now, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Here it is, bottom line. He says, this is how you get saved. Somebody redeems you. Somebody, and he says, but let me just give you some insight into what Jesus did. Matter of fact, this cursed, this curse, like Jesus himself became a curse in order to solve your cursed scenario. The Bible says, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. That was a disgrace in their day. And even God said, yo, man, that, that, like, that is a defilement. That person who's committed a crime and worthy of death is now hung. And God says, he's cursed by me. I see him as cursed. Well, he says, well, Jesus... And it's interesting, the, the, the version that Paul uses in the Septuagint, that's the Greek Old Testament, Paul does not use cursed by God. He just says cursed. He says, yo, that's a cursed scenario, Jesus hung up on a cross. But God didn't curse him. He just assumed the position of the cursed in order to deal with the issue of people who were cursed because all of us are up under a law we can't keep, whether it's the law of Moses or the law of our own conscience. Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23, uh, that's that, that idea where you see God saying, cursed is everyone who, uh, uh, who's hung on a tree. So real quickly, um, Philippians 2 says that Jesus Christ... One of the things that's crazy about him uh, and his humility is that he humbled himself and became obedient uh, to death. Then it says, but not just any death, even death on the cross. Once again, he could have took the non-curse route of death, like a noble death. But he didn't. Because he was saying, yo, I'll even take the curse of people who don't want to take the curse. He says, so. In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, verse 14, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. If you have the spirit, the deal is sealed. The spirit is even called a seal in the book of Ephesians. He seals you to the day of redemption. So much stuff in the Bible that like kings would seal with their signet ring and they would put a, a, basically a seal that says I can't even tamper with this. 
So the point of a seal is not that God couldn't break his own seal. He could if he was immutable. I mean, if he was mutable. But the point is it nothing can mess up the seal. So when God gives you the spirit, which God, he told the Galatians, you have the spirit. He says, so you, you good. He says, and you know it because Jesus did all of that so that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. A.K.A. you might get the promised spirit through faith, not through works. So conclusion. What do you want today? The gift or the curse? You can try to like legalistically keep some law on your head, like not do as much sins as you think God should get mad for. Or you can just say, forget it. I do one too many sins, even if I do one sin. Give me your gift. Give me your gift. Some of us believe this doctrine, so we profess it. But in our hearts, we lapse. We're prone to still try to perform our way to extra credit. Now, this ain't so God accept me, but it is so he'll bless me better. You know, you can't get God to bless you more. And again, we're going to get to the balancing realities of, yeah, but doesn't God honor blah, 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 and doesn't God, like, like, we're going to get to that. But right now, just hold on to this doctrine. Justification is by faith in Christ alone, by grace alone. You can't earn it. That means you can't ruin it. You can ruin it before it happens. You can't ruin it after it happens because God doesn't give what he gives and then say, Dang, I didn't. oh, you got me. <laughs> Lastly, on my way out, this is a, I always like Old Testament pictures because one, I'm like, man, we've been in the New Testament so long, we don't get to go to the Old Testament. So turn real quick to First Chronicles on our way out. First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 21 on our way out. First Chronicles chapter 21. First Chronicles chapter 21. I'm going to read real quick. The plot is Satan incites King David to number Israel. Joab, David's chief commander, says, don't do this. This is not right. Verse 7 of 21 says, God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. So all you need to know is this is an issue of sin, God's displeased, and judgment's coming. And is is here. Here's the point. And the Lord spoke to Gad, David, excuse me, David's seer. That's the prophet assigned to David. Go to and say to David, thus says the Lord, three things I offer you, choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, thus says the Lord, choose what you will, either three years of famine, three months of devastation by your foes while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, pestilence on the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Now, all, like, none of them sound good, does it? So, like, you're doomed no matter how you slice it. I'm good. I'm good, uh, Brother Richard. Um, you're, I'm good. Uh, you're doomed no matter how you slice it. So if you're doomed no matter how you slice it, 
here's the best route. Look at verse 13. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. Isn't this a way to close? David's saying, and that's hand of man is whether it's your hand or your friends or your enemies. Don't let this be a human thing. Let God do with me what he will because I just like his knack for being merciful. Since God is trustworthy to do me better than I would do myself, do me better than my enemies would do me. Out of the three you said, let me fall into the hands of God. The gift of the curse. The workers of the law, people who want to just sort of like see how they fare when they... He says, that's you in your own hands. And when you get there, I'll judge you by the very standard you came up with, which is already cursed because you have to be perfect. If you let me offer you what I offer in mercy, I'll tell you about a wonderful plan in Jesus. It's called forgiveness and right standing with me simply on the basis of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the stuff we're talking about today, the word of Christ. Jesus Christ, he says, in Christ, in Jesus Christ is the promise that he gave to Abraham, which is you could be right with me. He says, Christ came to earth. Shah said it in his message, lived perfectly, fulfilled the law, showed you they probably need the laws, y'all. Problem's not the law. Like, no, the law is just tricky. No, he, he, he wants us to fail. No, he's just showing you. You're flawed. Because if I wanted you to fail, Jesus would have failed, but he didn't. Even though I did put in the law just to show you, you can't. I'm getting ahead of the text. And so today, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you came in here and you just, you know, I don't know, you sort of got blown in because you're hearing things about this community Maybe somebody brought you because they're like, you don't like normal church, so maybe I heard about this nice little neat, catchy church in North Philly, and you got in here. But you really are getting rocked off of this truth. Um, that's supposed to happen. Um, if you can tolerate the lo- length of the messages long enough to peep uh, that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, everyone in here has sinned. Uh, that's what the judge says. Therefore, if God were judging us on our ability to do right, We'd be cursed because cursed is everyone who doesn't do everything God demands uh, consistently. Uh, But today we offer you the Lord Jesus. Um, Chapter 3 said that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified to the Gentiles. They had a vivid picture of a crucified Christ and they placed faith in him. Today, if you would place faith in the Jesus Christ who's perfect, who's God, who became man so he could shed his blood... Uh, and you place your faith in him, the Bible says the moment faith emerges, it's credited to you as righteousness. God sees you as righteous. He dumps righteousness in your account. Oh, if this is rocking you today, then already something is at work. Father, we pray that you will save, that you will keep, that you will begin to blow this generation's mind with 
your commitment to conversions, authentic ones in this day, as we are trying our best, Lord God, out of an appreciation for you and out of obedience of what you've made known. We are trying to just put Jesus up and publicly portray him as crucified and resurrected. We are trying to preach the gospel. We are trying to show people uh, that we want to uh, imitate believers of all ages who trusted that just the gospel, just the Bible, just the God of history is to be praised. Uh, And we pray that you will attract, that you will draw, that you will make sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.